Now, one of the things I remember about Christmas growing up around my house, uh, my mom loves music. Uh, she loves music of all kinds, and she also had a lot of Christmas music, uh, like 30, 40, 50 albums. And uh, so I, I grew up uh, loving Christmas music, and I love uh, singing the Christmas songs with you uh, tonight. And I, I love Christmas the Christmas season. I mean, I'm into the decorations. I like the trees and the lights and all of that stuff. And I love the Christmas story. And tonight, I want us to wrestle with the real meaning of Christmas. I want us to wrestle with it so we'll feel it. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I know, hey, I know that some of you may be new to City Church. Maybe you're new to church in general. Maybe you don't go to church. And so you're still not sure what you think about God and Jesus and the Christmas story and all that stuff. Uh, I want you to know that's cool with us. We're glad you're here. You're welcome here. City Church is a safe community of grace where all people can explore our faith in Jesus. And we do believe that Christmas marks a point in human history where God became a human being in the person of Jesus. Christmas reminds us of when God became one of us. Christmas tells the story of God embracing limitations and the humiliations of a lesser being. You know what I mean? Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be a lesser being? Now, growing up here in Texas, one of the things I enjoy doing with my dad and my cousins is deer hunting. We know we deer hunt in uh, uh, blinds, and normally when it's real cold. And you know what I notice uh, hunting deer and blinds is when it's really cold, and you know you get in the blinds when it's dark, and it's just you know there's not much. To do. When I'm sitting in a deer blind, I think really deep, profound thoughts. And so, oh, I can tell some of you do too. And. And I remember one morning, it was a cold, dark morning, and just as the sun was coming up, I noticed a herd of cows in the field living their lesser lives. And I, I thought, I wonder what it would be like to be a cow, a lesser being, you know. You know, because cow, cows live their cow lives. They eat cow food. They swap flies with their cow tails. They chew on cow cud, and then they go to sleep, and they get up the next day, and they start that same boring routine over and over again. No, I don't think I would like to be a cow. I don't think I would like to be that kind of lesser being, would you? And then there's those cow thoughts. I mean, cows think thoughts like moo, and cows think thoughts like <laughs> somebody's going to step in that pile for sure. Oh, you know they think that. And then, of course, we all know that cows think thoughts like, eat more chicken, right? <laughs> no, those are not the kind of lesser thoughts I would want to think. <clears throat> and then there's all those cow humiliations, you know? They, they get their ears tagged, they get big pills shoved down their throat, throats, and then they get their rear ends branded with a hot iron. No, I don't think I would choose to be a cow. I don't think I would choose to accept the, the, the uh, limitations and the humiliations of a lesser being. I mean, where are my kids here? I want to ask the kids a question. Kids, would you choose to become a cow? 
No, oh, no way. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. You wouldn't choose to be a cow. You wouldn't choose to be a lesser being. And yet the Christmas story tells us that at a point in human history, God, the creator of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, embraced the limitations and humiliations of a lesser being. And what I want us to wrestle with tonight is why. Why would he do that? Why would God choose to become a lesser being? And I believe we find the answer to that question in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth. So let me set this up for you. A man named Joseph was engaged to be married to a woman named Mary. Before they became married, she became pregnant. This concerned him a lot, as we, we could all understand. And an angel appeared to Joseph and calmed him by speaking these words. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. <clears throat> the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So it came from God. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, what? Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so I think that the answer to why God became a lesser being, we find in the, by noticing the two names that would forever be associated with God becoming a human being. The first name is Jesus. Jesus is simply the Greek version of the Jewish name or Hebrew name Joshua. And in Hebrew, Joshua means the Lord saves. So Jesus means the Lord saves. So kids, what does Jesus mean? Oh, you're listening. I think Santa's got a nice present for you tonight. <laughs> Jesus means the Lord saves. And I think that's significant because one of the reasons God became a lesser being is to save us from our sins. Now, let's, let's be honest. We've all done things we wish we hadn't done. We've all hurt people with our words or with our actions or with our neglect. And then ultimately, we've hurt ourselves. You see, we've all sinned. And when we sin, we feel the burden of guilt that comes with it. And of course, we want to get rid of the burden of guilt. It doesn't feel good. And so some of us try to deal with the burden of guilt by numbing our guilt. We numb it through activity, busyness. We numb it through achievement. And some of us numb it through addictions. Others of us feel the weight, the burden of our sin debt. And so we, we figure that what we're going to do is try to get rid of it by paying off our sin debt. And so some of us try to pay it off by doing good works. Some of us try to pay it off by performing religious rituals, but the burden still remains. You see, I think what's so significant about the name Jesus in this account is it brings us good news. Because here's the thing. You're not responsible to save yourself from your sins. That's Jesus' job. Jesus' job is to save us from our sins. Whew. That's good news. 
he beca- God, be- God became a human being. He became a lesser being to save us from our sins. The second name that is forever associated with God becoming a human being is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel in, in Hebrew, again, literally means God with us. Okay, kids, what does Emmanuel mean? Oh, God with us. You're listening. That's great. God with us. And you know what I think is interesting about God being with us? If I was like, like if I was God, I'm not sure I would come to be with us the way he did. I mean, when God came to be with us, you know, I think I would have come like 21, 22 when I was at my peak, you know, really in good shape and buff. Jesus, though, instead of coming as an adult, he accepted the limitations and the humiliations of being born as an infant. Think about it. He experienced childbirth. He experienced potty training. He had to learn how to walk just like you and me. He had to learn how to talk just like you and me. And then, of course, he went through the terrible teens and all of that. And think about it. When Jesus came, he could have come into a family that was wealthy and had a lot of power and prestige, but he didn't. He came into a relatively poor family who lived in an obscure town. And when Jesus, when God became one of us, you would have thought that he would have been born in a palace, right? Instead, you guys didn't know the story. You know, he, he was born in a stable. And think about this. He spent the first hours of his life sleeping in a cow trough, a place where cows eat out of with all of the slobber and cud and stuff. Oh my, that's humility. He came to be with us for a reason. He endured all of the limitations and humiliations so he could come to be with us in our limitations and our humiliations. You see, he came to be with us for when we suffer in life. You see, God being with us doesn't mean we never face challenges. Jesus faced challenges, right? And God being with us doesn't mean that we won't face rejection or pain or suffering. I mean, Jesus faced all of those things. But God being with us does mean we will not face those challenges and those uh, trials alone. He is with us in our suffering. Do you believe God is with you? I want us to say this as an affirmation of faith. And I want us to say it in the first person. I want us to say, God is with me. Can you say that with me out loud? Let's just do it. One, two, three. God is with me. God is with you. And because God is with you, you can get through what you're going through. I'm going to say that again. Because the living God is with you, you can get through what you're going through. Because God is with you, you can get through the loss of a job or even the loss of a loved one. Because God is with you, you can get through crises in your family or crises in your finances. Because God is with you, you can overcome shocking failure. You can uh, get through the fiercest of storms and you can even get through the darkest of depression because God Almighty is with you. And because he's with you, you will get through what you're going through. That's one of the reasons he wanted to be with us, to be with us in our suffering. 
But remember also, he wanted to be with us so he could save us from our sins. He is the Lord who saves. And you know what that tells me? Your sins, all of them, can be forgiven. You can be relieved from the burden of any guilt you have in your life if you will believe in him. Because he has paid your sin debt. And that is good news. But that brings me back to my original question, and that's why. Why would God do all of this? Why would God become a lesser being? Why did he want to be with us in our suffering? Why did he want to save us from our sins? Why did he embrace the limitations of humanity? Why did he embrace the humiliations of being a human being? Why did he face the rejection, the pain, the suffering? Why did he endure the cross? Because he loves us. God is motivated by love. God is love. And he loves you. And that is the real meaning of Christmas. The greatest gift that I can give you on this Christmas Eve is to know without a doubt that right now, God loves you just the way you are before you get your act together. Yeah. <clears throat> And my prayer, my hope for you this Christmas is that you will believe that. <laughs> that you will believe he can save you from your sins. That you will believe that he is with you, that he does love you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life and that you'll embrace that plan for your life. You see, God came to be Emmanuel, God with us, because he loves us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you for embracing the limitations, for embracing the humiliations because you love us. And I pray first of all, for, Lord, for those who maybe they're not sure what they believe about you yet, my prayer is that maybe something I've said or something that they have sensed is telling them right now in their hearts and in their minds, this really is the truth, that there is a God who loves them and that they can know him and experience them and experience your love. And I pray that they would believe in you even tonight. And then, Lord, I pray for those who are suffering tonight. I pray for those who are going through a trial or a tribulation of some kind. And I pray, Lord, that in some way you would allow them to sense that you really are with them, that almighty God, the God of love, is with them in a unique and profound way. Let them experience you, your presence, and your love on this Christmas Eve. In Jesus' name I pray, and I bless you. Amen.